I'm Heidi. I'm Heather. And we're sisters. This is the H&H Show. Hey, friends. Welcome back. We're glad that you're here. If you are a first-time listener, we want to say welcome to the H&H Show. Yes. We're super excited to have you. And we just say welcome to this community because that's what it is. Yeah. It's a community. And if you're listening for the first time, give us a shout out on yeah. Instagram. Go find us at the H&H Hour on Instagram and say, hey, I listened for the first time. And then we can say hey back. Absolutely. So we love the show and we love getting to chat with you and connect with you. But our favorite thing about it yep. is getting to hear other people's stories. Yes. And that is what today is for. Yes. So Heather. And it is especially exciting when we get to interview someone who's a longtime listener and we met them because of this show. Yeah, that is true. That's so ex- that's, that's, awesome. that's an extra special yeah. thing that we get to do. It so is. I'm so excited to be able to introduce my friend and longtime H&H listener, Larissa Stoller. Welcome to the H&H Hour. Hello. We were just talking before we started recording that you've been listening for, what do you think, Three years? I think three years, yeah. So that's almost our whole show because we've only been recording for four. Okay, yeah. I think it was pretty early on. How did you find us? I think my sister introduced me to you and then I just continued to listen and... Did you know sticking with us? Yeah, I love it. It's it's my (laughs) go-to. Did you know that we were local when you started listening? Um, I think after a first couple listens I realized that you were local because we were lived pretty close yeah. to each other. Yeah. That's the cool thing is you can start listening to a show and have people listen and then find out you live in the same town or nearby and you can become real life friends and not just Instagram friends. We had a listener that was listening and we started talking about our church. She's like, "Oh man, so she started to Google and figure out where our church was and come to find out we were in the same city and she comes to our church now and has been for quite some time." Yeah. It's that pretty is- funny. That is so fun. Isn't that crazy? I love that. Yes, I love that. So it's a small world. It really is. Yeah. So Larissa, um, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and your life and what your family looks like. Sure. Um, I am married to my husband, Daniel, for nine years. And we have three children, Alexis, who will be 11, Taylin, who is six, and Brooks is five. Um, we started... Our family grew uh, by three in six months, actually. So we fostered and then adopted. So um, they, Taylin was about five months old when we started fostering Alexis. Um, and she was five when she came. And then Brooks was born that following April. So Taylin was about six months old. And we've had them ever since. So Brooks, we've had since birth. So you were thrown into motherhood. Yes. Three yes. children in six months. Did I hear that right? Yes. <laughs> wow. But we actually, our journey, we fostered before we had Taylin, our biological daughter, which was um, definitely God preparing us for three in six months. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Okay, okay. So that's such a great story. And we want to get into all of that. But before we get too far into it, let's ask her, Heidi, mm-hmm. our two big questions. Let's do it. Tell us something about yourself that is ordinary. Um, I am a full-time stay-at-home mom. And I think that that is something that is fairly ordinary. A lot of people um, can say they do the same. So, yeah. Okay. And then on the flip side, what's something about your life that you see as extraordinary? 
the same thing. I'm a full-time stay-at-home mom. Um, I never planned to be a full-time stay-at-home mom. I loved working. Um, even when we fostered, and it was the little two were probably, I think Brooks was two years old when I stayed home full-time, and I had a job I loved. It was just hard to finagle it all. And so I didn't really willingly stay home. It was kind of it just needed to happen. And I, yeah, and I kind of planned to always go back, but in the same vein, I just pray that if God wanted me to be at home, that I would have a passion to be at home and that I would find fulfillment in that. Wow. And so he's really grown my heart in that area to say that I don't ever think, oh, it'd be nice to go back to work or that I miss having something to do besides be a stay at home mom would be untrue, but I find a lot of fulfillment and I'm very happy there. And so it's extraordinary that I um, am happy being at home. And actually during that transition was when I started listening to your guys' show. And I loved that you're saying that ordinary is extraordinary. I actually have a um, scroll on my wall that my sister-in-law made for me that says your ordinary is extraordinary because it was such a good reminder to me that even though I didn't nece- wasn't necessarily wanting to be at home, that that's God had extraordinary things for me to do there with my kids. So yes, I love that. Okay, our four years of podcasting are worth it because of Larissa. <laughs> Over here crying. <laughs> that's actually amazing. It really is so amazing. I I love that you said you asked God hmm. to give you a passion for staying home, and I can relate to that because if I was gonna script out my life, it would not be stay-at-home mom, homeschool mom, you know, work, kind of work from home stuff that I do because I like to get dressed up and wear high heels and go into an office and feel important and be productive, climb the (laughs) success ladder. And, you know, I, and yet God has done the same thing for me. He's given me a passion for this place that he's put me in. And, and I think, Larissa, that's such a beautiful thing because you, you said, you've put me here, now give me a passion for it. Hmm. And so often, the obedience comes before the passion comes. Mm-hmm. But when we're obedient and we ask God, then he will, he will place that fire inside of us. Yeah, he definitely does. Do you feel like there were ever days that you just had to kind of practically be like, I am going to choose to be happy about this. Like, I'm going to choose to mom well today, because today I'd rather go be in meetings with adults. I've had some of those days. (laughs) Yes, very much so. Yeah. Um, Yes. And those were days, too, that I love to serve. Um, And those would be days where I would choose. They probably were not a good day in the whole mapping out my day and it going as planned. But I would choose to do something where I would serve others. And that would kind of pop me out of like, okay, my day is worth something, even if it was, you know, I chose to go do something for somebody else or made myself more stressed out by doing something for something else. But it definitely, yeah, some days I definitely had to choose, especially when the threes and fours and, you know, those hard age, the ages where they're just a lot. I saw someone that I follow on Instagram whose kids are now high school and into college. And she posted something that said with a picture of her girls that said, the last 20 years, this is the best career I could have chosen, Hmm. meaning being their mom. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wow, what a powerful testimony that is. But also what a great way to start talking about what we do as moms, Mm -hmm. like to actually see it as a career, you know, not something that we have to strive to 
to, you know, climb the ladder and like, I'm not talking about like that, but seeing it as something as important as a career that you might have in corporate America. Yeah. It's a, it's a calling for sure. Mm -hmm. Let's talk a little bit about your journey to becoming a mom. Sure. (laughs) Specifically, let's start with uh, foster care first. Mm -hmm. Is that something you always wanted to do or did you just sort of land there? I think that the passion for serving kids came from, I have an aunt and uncle that worked in a children's home in Indiana and I went out there. I can't remember. I was maybe eighth grade, but I went out and stayed with them. Um, And that just really opened my eyes to kids that were um, from hard places. And they were, they were probably close to my age because they took them, um, they were more junior high, high school age kids. So they were really close to my age. And a girl came into their home when I was there. And so I really got to experience that. And so I think that's when God really started opening my heart to it. I And I they have um, cooks or housekeepers that kind of help, single gals that help at their houses once they – I think you had to be like 21. And I always said, if I'm not married at 21, I'm going to go do that. Aww. And so I didn't make it to 21. Well, I guess I did, but I was engaged. So I, um, and then God just kind of started working. I don't, I don't really know when it became foster care. I think that Daniel and I kind of talked about it early on in our marriage and we had some good friends that did it and God just really pressed and pressed and pressed. Um, so Daniel and I decided, um, actually we were driving home from our one year trip to Mexico um, from St. Louis. And I was like, Hey, what do you think about starting doing foster care classes now? And that way we are done by the time we decide to have a family and we don't have to do, cause it's nine, it's different now because of it's a lot of it's online. But when we did it, it was, um, you had to go for nine weeks once a week. So it was a pretty big commitment. And I was like, let's just do it before we have kids and get it all out of the way. So we started that in August of 2012. And then we got our license in January of 2013, but we didn't get our placement, our first placement until September 5th of 2013. So about five months. So between when we got our first placement and got our license. And ironically, my sister had twins September 6th of 2013. So my parents had three grandbabies within two days. Oh my. (laughs) Wow. Talk about like piling on the emotions and hormones, right? <laughs> yes, yes. And I was real. it was hard because I had been waiting for those twins to be born for so long. And here God's like, here's a little boy for you to take care of. And um, so I'll call him Z. Uh, um, Z came and he was three when we got him that September. So um, he couldn't. He was pretty well nonverbal except for... Um, bye-bye and daddy and he was like 50 pounds he was very like a very large three-year-old and we were like looked at each other we were like this is not what we were thinking was like it was not our picture perfect foster care um and he was he was significantly delayed and so we were very much thrown into parenthood at that point um and so and not like parenting a brand new little cuddly baby that you no. just sit around and hold all the time. No, no. 
um, I was working, and so I had, like, called to put him in daycare, um, which the state does a really good job of supporting that for parents that work. And it's something that it's not necessarily a bad thing for the kids that are in care because their parents if they go back are going to probably be working so it's something that can stay somewhat consistent yeah Yeah. um but he was totally not able to be in a class with three-year-olds when he was at like an 18 month old level and so that flopped in a half a day and I called my dad and I was like I was bawling because I was like I don't like this can we send him like I I just want to give up and walk away and it had been like probably three days and he was like well you could but is that what God really wants you to do I was like oh dad why do you always have to be the voice of reason (laughs) so much wisdom dad stop (laughs) it thankfully where I was working they gave me time and we kind of got it sorted out and there was a lady down the road that they had their foster license and so she watched him for a few months and then my sister-in-law um my husband's brother got married like right in that period. And so then she wasn't working. And so she babysat him for me um, the days I worked. And then he also started going to school um, every morning. So there was a break and a reprieve. And so we kind of sorted it out. But it was definitely like a major shift in just our life in general. What was that like for your marriage? I don't remember it being terrible so I mean I think Daniel and I are a really really good team um he is very I'm very emotional he's very voice of reason doesn't overreact very often the emotional part is what gets us the placements his voice of reason and steadiness is what gets us through the, mm, the placements. That's really good that's a great team yeah it, it is a really good team and he was working a job at that time where he was working pretty long hours So that, um, because he's an ag, so it was fall and it was busy. Um, but yeah, we, we communication, we've always been pretty strong communicators. Um, God knew that we would need that in our marriage because there was a lot of, for a long time he's traveled. And so, um, and I'm probably an over communicator. So, um, that helped. It definitely changed our marriage a lot, but I think we both, when one of us would get down and get really frustrated and discouraged, the other one would tend to be in a place where there was like a reason and be like, this is what God called us to. We can do it. And we also had an immense amount of support from like our church and our family. Um, My in-laws live right down the road from us and they were a huge support and like a huge help. And my parents, so God provided. So I don't remember it being like Trump traumatic, like to our marriage, but I'm sure that there were times that we were both. Yeah. It probably strengthened you guys. It did. And it definitely prepared us for what God had in the future, even though we didn't know that at that time. We also had surrounded, we also had people that had their foster license that we became friends with. And so we would leave he would go stay with them and then we would get time to like go on a date or go get away for a weekend and things like that and that really helped us to be able to have our time still yeah Yeah, that's good okay so then tell us what happened next so after your first placement how long did you have him we had him for nine months so he left in june of 2014 and then in september of 2014 our daughter taylan was born okay And, um, the time between when, 
Um, he left. And when we had our daughter it was really, really sweet because it was really like we got that time together. But it was really hard. Like I miss being a mom a lot. Mm. So, Nine months is kind of a long time, isn't it? To ha- or not or no? Um, it kind of depends on the case. Um, we he ended up being able to go live with family. He had grant he had paternal grandparents that he was able to go live with, and so that was really really sweet. We were able to slowly transition him. We knew he was going well in advance. And so he kind of stayed and finished out the school year and then we transitioned. But he would go for like the weekends and so we had weekends together. So it was a really slow transition and it was a really good transition. I was pregnant at this point, which was totally God because I think if I hadn't been and I went to not being a mom, it would have been very, very, really hard because it was a challenge in and of itself. But yes, Talon was born in September and then... In January, we were approached by our um, by family corps who were licensed through with our foster care about a five year old girl that needed a placement. They had, we had how it had been a good fit with um, the little boy we'd had, and then how we had just a baby, and they felt like we'd be able to give her what she needed because she was it was a pretty high profile case. Um, and so we prayed about it for a long time. We asked lots of questions because we had not done that with our previous case. And we learned really quickly that we needed to know what we are getting ourselves into. And we also had a baby at our house. And so we just really wanted to be cautious and letting him go had hurt a lot. And so we were a little bit hesitant to jump right back in, um, and put ourselves through that again, because we kind of knew the emotional turmoil that it would bring into our lives. So we agreed, and she came the end of February, um, and it was like she was so sweet. I mean, I remember when she – we actually both still remember when she walked into our house. I'd seen a picture of her, so I kind of knew – I mean, I knew what she would look like, and – I like knelt down and I was like, I'm going to be your mommy. You're going to stay with us for a while. And it was just, I don't know. It was just so, so sweet. It was very different from like when you have a baby, but I'm so thankful that God gave us those moments because now they're very special between us and we remember it and we can talk about it. Um, when she does go through times that are hard because those days happen. Um, and so then she adjusted super well to our house. We There was some concerns based on um, her situation, and but she was adjusting super, super well. And we had known when we took her case that her mom was expecting, but they didn't want to put the kids together because of the case. And so we were like, okay, like that was one of the conditions. We will have her, but we don't really want another baby right now. We already have one. And uh, the beginning of April, I get a phone call and they're like, mom had her baby, but we, they need to be placed together. DCFS has said they have to go together. Oh, wow. And I was like, um, okay, well, let me call my husband. And he was not a very happy camper. And he will tell you he was not a very happy camper. Um, he does not like sudden changes. He's like much more planned. And I, I like a plan too, but when it comes to babies and foster care, I'm kind of more willing to throw my plan out the window. Um, but we both agreed that we were, 
we did not want her to move. Hmm. Um, she'd been with us for two months and it had gone really good. And she'd been in several family placements before us. And we were just like, we cannot move. She needed some stability. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And the ironic part was, is we knew the family that um, Brooks had been originally placed with because of a church connection. And we were like, oh, perfect. We can like create a relationship between them. And she was very worried about him. Like she um, wanted to have a connection with him. She wanted him to be safe. Like she knew she was had a baby brother coming. And so um, we were just like, we don't know where he's going to be at, but um, we'll do our best to like create a relationship. And so I also called my dad when we were in the middle of debating what to do. And he was like, well, sometimes God puts us in situations where we have, he knows that we need that in order to keep us closest to him. So maybe that's what he's doing here. Because how long did you have to decide when they call you? I mean, it's not like you have weeks to decide, right? No, we had a couple of with um, Alexis. We had longer because they weren't like pressing to move her with Brooks. We had mm, 24 hours ish. Yeah, that's not quick. I mean, that's like that's not long. (laughs) Yeah. So we agreed to take him and um we also knew when we took him that we had, because of our previous foster case, we'd made connections. We also knew that we had a, our church family would be behind us and that we had people that would support us. And that was literally the only way that we could say yes, because by ourselves, there was no way that we would ever be able to do it. Um, and how far apart were the babies? Five and a half months. And he was a newborn, right? He was a newborn, yes. So he was born right before Easter. It was Easter weekend was like that first weekend in April that year. So they they didn't want to do discharge stuff with social workers until that Monday. So we had like a long weekend. And I, um, Taylin had like just started sleeping through the night. And she was up bawling like most that weekend through the nights. And I was like, no, like I had nightmares of two babies up screaming at night. Like, I don't think I can do this, but she popped a tooth and I was like, Oh, okay. That's why. Yeah. And so, yeah, we, for the second time in six months, we walked out of the hospital carrying a newborn and they were like giving us all the discharge papers. And we were like, look, looked at each other and we were like, pretty sure we know how to do this. Yes. <laughs> we just left the hospital six months ago with a newborn. Um, but it's very different taking home a newborn when you haven't just had a baby because you feel good and you don't have all the hormones and stuff. Um, so that part is very different. And they, I can probably count on one hand the times I was up with two babies in the middle of the night. Like God just totally came through in that. One of my biggest fears. You know, there were some angels in over those cribs, <laughs> rocking those cribs for you, right? I do. I do. Brooks was an amazing sleeper from the get-go. He slept really, really great until he was two. And then he didn't sleep so great. But <laughs> but at the beginning, <laughs> when, when, it, when, when babies, it counted. Yes. When it counted the most. Um, yeah. Yep. Okay. So that was how long ago now? So that was five years ago that, yeah, because Brooks is five. So it was five years ago. So then what was that transition like to, because they're stolers now. They're stolers. So we, um, they, it was two years where they had contact with their mom. They did the visits. They did all of the stuff. Um, 
then she chose to surrender her rights. Um, she texted us after Thanksgiving weekend and was like, if I surrender my rights, will you, will you adopt them? And like coming from the last in October, we'd had a, a court where she was, it wasn't like she wasn't going to get them back. It was a long road to get them back, but it looked pretty hopeful for her. And I left that court um, hearing like completely just devastated because I was like, I never really wanted a newborn because I didn't want that connection from the beginning. Like fostering a newborn wasn't really ever something I like dreamed of doing. It just is what what had happened. And so, yeah, she asked us if we would, if she surrendered her rights, if we would adopt them. And we were like, of course we would. Um, we had a really good relationship with her because when we went to pick up Brooks, she didn't know where he was being placed. Mm. And I knew what she looked like because I had pictures from Alexis. And when we walked in, I was like, we're here to get Brooks. And I was like, and Alexis lived with us, lives with us. And she just started sobbing. Like the fact that they were going to be together was just so... She it was just so special to her, and so we had a really good relationship from that moving forward. She um, was always super respectful, and she um, didn't care that like Alexis called us mom and dad. Like she was was willing to share that. She was also very young, and so in the end, she surrendered her rights because she wanted her kids to have what she never had as a child, and she wanted them to be safe, and she wanted them to be secure, and um. She loved them. She loved them enough to know that she couldn't give them what we could. And she also didn't, she knew it would be a long road for her to get them back. And she did not want to pull them out of our house at three, four years old with Brooks because he had never lived with her before. What a gift that she gave them. Yeah. Yeah. And she, um, she told, we took Alexis with us and she told Alexis that she was going to live with us for forever. And, um, after, after she said that we were sitting in the car, um, talking, just Alexis was crying. She was very upset and she like sits up and she's like, I, she's like, I have been praying for this so for so long. And she's like, I'm really sad. I'm not going to get to be with my mom, but I've been praying that God would let me, you be my family. And he answered my prayers. And so I just, I know Satan wants me to be so sad right now, but God answered my prayers and I just need to remember that. And she was like eight at the time. Like it was just, wow. we were like, okay, yep, you're right. Okay. Oh my goodness. And if you would meet this sweet girl, he would just, I just fell in love with her. She, her spirit is so sweet and tender and you can tell that there is something really special and unique about her. And I, I feel like I remember you saying that when we first met, that there was just something about her yes, that was yeah. different, like this tenderness. And her spirit was so drawn to, is it? Is it true that she didn't know anything about Jesus? Yes, it is. Can you tell that story? Yes. Is she okay with that? Yeah. yeah, she is. Yeah. So she had experienced, obviously, some serious loss before coming to us. And um, we clear I mean we told her like we go to church and faith in Christ and Jesus are huge I mean they're a huge part of our life and so that was an obvious thing to share with her and backing up one of the things that before we said yes to taking her God impressed so strongly on my heart that 
we could give her Jesus. And knowing some of the back, knowing her background story before saying yes, I, um, I knew she needed Jesus. I knew she needed the hope he could bring and just the, the security of that. And, um, and I told Daniel, I said, if we can say no, and she can go to a great foster home, but like, what if they don't give her Jesus? And we can, and we know we can, and we know she needs Jesus. And so it wasn't long after she was with us that we introduced her to Jesus and she knew about God and she knew somewhat the big picture, but not like how Jesus is so personal and how he, and how there's heaven. And when you miss people that you'll see them again someday, but, um, that she, yeah. So she, we had explained to her that she'd be able to see people that she missed in heaven. And there was, um, an experience that she had one day that she told Daniel that um, she had a dream that she was having a picnic with this very special person to her and Jesus in heaven. And she described the streets of gold. She described the buildings. And we had not talked in depth about like the streets of gold and like the details, but like she described them so perfectly. And she just like, Mom, it was so special. And it was just like, and it was really from that point on, she moved from her grieving to just like living life with just this like love for Jesus that has been just, it, it comes, I mean, she just carries that with her. Yeah, you can see it. You know, you meet those people and you're like, wow, there's something about them. And as followers of Jesus, we know what that is. You know, you can pick up on it right away. And she's Mm -hmm. just one of those girls that, you can see it in her wow. right away. Yeah. Before we move on, I just felt really strongly that I think part of the huge reason that God placed your first placement with you with Z is because you needed to experience loss to walk your daughter through loss and grief. Yes. Because you can say, I know I know what you feel like. You know, yeah. it's a different person. It's a different loss. But I think when you experience that depth of grief of the loss of someone, it makes you so deeply compassionate when someone around you is walking through loss. And I think what an incredible tool the Lord gave you to help foster her heart in that grieving process mm-hmm. of loss. Yeah. Yeah. That's very true because I haven't, I have not lost much. I mean, I have all four of my grandparents, like the law, lo- I haven't experienced a huge loss of that, but yes, that was very much because yeah, I did. Cause I, I mean, I have very close friends who've walked through that of mm-hmm. fostering and, and, some for years and then mm-hmm. having to hand them over and that it's a grief, you mm-hmm. know, it's an extreme mm-hmm. grief that lingers and comes up like waves. And yeah. so I think mm-hmm. that's huge because it, it really shapes you and it changes you. Yes. Yeah. Yes, it does. So you've had them officially now um, as stolers for four years. They were adopted in January of 2018. So two Yes, yes. But they've been in your home for... They've been in our house since, yeah, five for five years. Yeah, yeah. So she crossed, she's crossed over being with us longer than she was not with us, which is really, really sweet. Yeah. So do you guys still have conversations about her mom and... We do. Yeah, we do. Um, it's was kind of left that it'd be an open relationship. It hasn't necessarily gone how we'd expected, um, but that's okay. The, the choice is hers to me. I mean, if we want, I have connection with her mom. We don't, like, it's not like we talk to each other all the time, but I have a connection. And then in the 
couple times a year we go back and forth. Um, but yeah, so we do have conversations and um, we talk a lot about just how God was so good and how he, you know, answered our prayers and her prayers. And when the questions come up, like, you know, why she was able to, why it happened to her and stuff like that. It's been, um, I just always tell her cause God's going to has, he has a huge work for her to do. And that's going to start with her brother because he doesn't know their mom and she can, he doesn't remember their mom. Um, but he can, she can tell him about their mom and how she loved them. And she can give them the security to know that their mom was a really good mom in bad situations. Wow. Isn't that such a cool story? <laughs> I was, after I heard it from you the first time, I was like, Heidi, you've got to hear this story. It's so amazing. And then you got to meet, you got to meet Alexis too. She's just a doll. So what advice would you give to someone who's out there right now listening that says, I have this on my heart. Mm-hmm. I want to foster or I want to adopt. What advice would you give to them? Um, I would say that if, that it's a, it's a very challenging calling, but when God is in a calling, he sees it through. Um, it's definitely something where fostering specifically, um, is where you, both husband and wife definitely need to be on board. It's not a one way. It want, you have to have both because there it's, it's really hard sometimes. And, um, it can lead to really, really challenging situations. Um, and you have to be able to know, like we walked through, we walked into this together and, um, we experienced that a little bit when we brought Brooks home because Daniel really, really struggled with having another, with having a second baby. It wasn't, it was, um, it was hard and it took a lot. Um, and it took him a long, it took him probably a year or two to actually grow to like love him like father son I I mean he always loved him um and and it was probably once we knew they were staying for the long term that that really happened um but he definitely had to he had to work through it um because it was it was such a huge shift in in our plans and he was traveling. He had switched jobs at that point and he was traveling a lot, um, which was very much God's plan because he missed the kids a lot. And so the time he was home was really um, focused and it was really intentional. And then he also wasn't there for some of the really, really hard days. Like I would tell him about him and he would share it with me, but not being there for all of that kind of helped with him just to be able to love a little bit more because the day in day out can be really daunting and it is really daunting. And I think as like a mom, God equips us emotionally to be able to handle that. But I think sometimes for even in just a regular biological situation, like that can be really daunting for a dad that has a stressful job and is, you know, they're, they're doing the day in day out. And it's hard to come home to that chaos. And our house was very, very chaotic. So, um, yeah, so that really, God just really knew what we needed. And 
he provided really well in that. So I would say definitely you need to both be on board. There's also never a perfect time mm-hmm. um, to jump into it. There's definitely seasons that are not applicable to, I mean, maybe it's not the best fit. Like right now we're in a season where to take a long-term case, and I say this, but hopefully I don't eat my word. <laughs> <laughs> um, but to take a long-term placement right now would be very challenging for us. Um we just walking through like they're adapted, but that doesn't make the trauma. It doesn't make all of that go away. So we definitely have really the past couple of years honed in on what our kids need. Um, we did a six week short term placement at the fall of 2018. And that about did me in. It was it was two older girls and I thought, oh, they're older. They'll be fine. Six weeks in, I was like, okay, they were supposed to leave and it was supposed to be done. And I was like, we have to be done because Daniel was going to be traveling. And I was like, I cannot do five kids by myself. And it was, it, it was very, very hard. And we went into that one a little bit. Like I was more gung ho than he was. And, um, so we worked through it and like we definitely were, they were supposed to be there. That six weeks was really, really good for us. And um, it definitely showed me that like the older kids is where Daniel is really, really strong. He does really good with them and he just is a really great listener and he really excels in that. Like he's gifted in that area, but for where we were at right then and now like, God can always change our hearts and he can always change our yeah, plans. You knew that there were yes. there was limit. But for right now, our limit is. But I love your humility yeah. to admit, like not mm-hmm. to try to be like over the top super mom, like, well, I can just take on every foster care option, you know, mm-hmm. and but to be honest and say like, hey, let's really evaluate where we're at and what is best for our kids right now. Because you're mm-hmm. obviously walking children through still transitioning and some trauma and you know, emotional things that need attention. Mm-hmm. So I love mm-hmm. that you're being mm-hmm. intentional to recognize that in your kids and it be intentional to care for those needs. Yeah. yeah. I think that's very wise of you. I learned that the hard way. I um, definitely crashed and burned. As as our case got to adoption, the high and the like riding through the stress and just like doing what had to be done kind of started to dwindle and real life hit. And I definitely hit a bottom play like where I had given so much I recently took the Enneagram test and I'm a two wing three so a giver and then I achieve and so I'm like oh that's that's my problem um but I definitely I learned that the hard way um in that I had overdone and so I actually like had to cut way way back and we took our names off of the list of taking placements which was probably one of the hardest phone calls I'd ever made. Mm. Granted, they still tend to call us when they need to, but that's okay. I can, a lot of times they'll like email and I can say no to an email a lot easier than I can to a person. But I also have gotten to a point where we can, I can be like, right now it doesn't fit for us. Um, And knowing that if God has it in our future, then he'll, that's what we'll do. Um, we still love to do like short term and I love to support other moms that are walking through it. And that's just something that I really, really love to do because people did that for us. And so I kind of, um, I can give more that way 
than I can actually having kids in my home right now. But don't you love that God still gives you the opportunity to be involved and for that to be your calling, even though it looks a little bit different? You know, I think sometimes we limit how we feel like God is using us. Like, oh, well, he's using us because we have a foster placement. And like this, we're we're being obedient here. And then Mm -hmm. it shifts and we're like, oh, but this doesn't feel as important. And yet to him, it's just obedience, Mm -hmm, you know? And mm -hmm. I think so often our yes to God means no to something else, you know? And so we we can like interchange those a little bit and say, just because we're saying no doesn't mean we're not saying yes to God. Right, right, yeah. That's a great point. I think that's super important for Mm -hmm. somebody here. Yeah. Because I think a lot of times we we can assimilate God's approval of us with our constant yes. Yes. You know, and sometimes- Even though it might be destroying us. You know, to, right, like you said, right. like where you yes. like you hit rock bottom. Because sometimes no is the correct answer. Yeah, right. So, yeah. And especially as a two, that's probably very difficult yes. for you <laughs> to then feel like, oh, am I letting someone down, or is there someone I could love, like deeply love? Mm-hmm. You know, yes. yeah. yeah, that's huge. Yeah, and that's where Daniel has been really good in that. Um, I've had to learn that like he sees me better than I do right now. Like when I'm running really low, he tends to recognize that before I do and so I mean I've never said yes to a placement without his consent but when he is hesitant now I am much more willing to listen to that and be like he yeah it's not because recently I asked him about taking like a two week just a short term while somebody was on vacation and he was like oh yeah we could do that and I was like Wow, he said yes, <laughs> but it was very definitive timeline, and and then it ended up not neat. We didn't need it, but I was like, oh wow, okay, you know, it was. But it was good to know that he felt like I was at a place where we could do it, and it would be good. Um, and knowing that he knows me probably better than I do myself at times. It sounds like you guys are good friends. We are, yeah. I actually asked him if he wanted to come talk to, but he said he would let me do the talking. <laughs> Has he taken the Enneagram? Well, I just did it for him the other night, and he was a nine, or no, a one wing nine. So, yeah. Yeah. But it was late, and I don't know if he really answered the questions. He should have. <laughs> that's, that's a, we haven't talked about that in a long time, but that's something that has really helped Chris and myself, my husband, in, a lot of different ways, learn how to communicate better with and understand each other and, you know, be able to not just like be like, oh, well, you're weird because that's how you think about that. Yeah. But like, oh, you're actually crafted that way. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's something inside of you. You're wired to feel that yeah. way. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. been fun. Yeah. But it does take some work to study up on it and figure out what you are. Yeah. I think what, what I love picking up though is as you talk about Daniel is I feel like you've really learned to trust his instincts. He's much more level-headed than I am. Yeah, to know that he sees a big picture and and ha- can help you navigate like yeah. the step by yeah. step and not be yeah. overwhelmed by it. Yeah. So that's I mean that's beautiful. That's how Jesus intended it. Yeah, and I think that that's one area where like God definitely um, created us a team because He had that call for us, and we have to be a team to deal with the day in day out of you know some of our kids is. Um, the fallout of the trauma. There was a time when Daniel was traveling Brooks. It was anxiety, but he was a toddler. So two, three. So we didn't, it was hard to discern whether it was trauma or whether it was a behavior and he was not sleeping. And he was, so if Daniel was traveling, he was awake and it was like a, 
it was, I didn't know if he was just, you know, trying to get the best of me. And so I would, there were nights that if Daniel was gone, if I was getting four hours of sleep a night and it would weeks and weeks and weeks of that. And so, um, and eventually we figured out it was trauma related. It was anxiety and we were able to work through that. Um, and that gave, I mean, it brought, it shed a, we were able to work through it and we were able to handle it a lot better. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but we had to learn how to do that. And it definitely like had to, we had to adjust our parenting to accommodate that trauma where we (laughs) probably did things that we wouldn't have done before. Now, if Daniel travels, we, one of the kids is usually in my bed, which was something we said we weren't really going to do. But it's better than having kids up all night. And yes. I remember listening to a show and Heather said her husband traveled and that she her kids took turns. And I was like, and then she had said how uh, Bennett was getting too old and didn't want to. And I was like, oh, you mean they're not going to sleep with me for forever? And that really was a shift for me. Like, it's okay. They know it's because he's gone and he doesn't travel as much now. Obviously, COVID has changed things, but also his job kind of shifted. Um, he took a new job because it was less travel and then it's shifted again and we've been able to he only is gone very limited and so we can accommodate for those times he's gone and we just have a plan going into it isn't it interesting how our kids are so secure when dad's in the house yes (laughs) i mean it's truly spiritual Mm -hmm. they are so comforted Mm -hmm. when dad's in the house Mm -hmm. yeah yeah even though they tend to want me they still are so much more grounded when he is home and I'm just and that's especially seeing that out of Brooks is I'm just so reminded that we want that security I want him to have that bond yeah that's something we've prayed for over and over and over again that he would have that secure male bond in an adopted father and do they now yes they do very much so yeah yeah. I want to ask you quickly, because I feel like someone listening, this could benefit them. You talked about ex- like realizing that it was anxiety in Brooks, and then you had to kind of learn how to handle that. What did that look like as a parent, you know, with all of the things that went into it, adoption, all of that? How do you go about, do you find help? How do you find help? What does that look like for a child? Yeah. So we have definitely... um had to we've had lots of trial and error um I talked to our pediatrician about it when he was in the midst of not sleeping because I was really worried because he went from being an amazing sleeper till he was hardly sleeping and then it was obviously affecting his behavior and um so she referred us to a um a counseling center and so we did start doing that and I went with him and we did it for about nine months um, where we went together. And I think I probably learned more than he did. Um, I mean, he was very, he was four at the time, but there was so much good advice and just like being, seeing the triggers and the things that would affect him. Um, and then knowing how to navigate those. And the ironic thing was, is I was obviously listening to podcasts and studying up, trying to figure things out. And a lot of the things they told me, were things I had just listened to in a podcast. And I was like, wow, like that's really like God's just reconfirming that I, that's what I need to know. Um, And so, and it was maybe a little bit easier for me to adjust to that than Daniel, just because um, I come I mean, I'm, 
a mother is probably tends to be more emotionally connected. And so, and I'm there day in, day out. And so we've definitely had to work through what it looks like for, um, there are lots of times that Daniel has to step in and do some firmer parenting. And then, um, then it comes back to me, but he generally works from home. And so he steps in a lot. And part of that's because Brooks needs to know that authority, but he also need is learning that he needs to respect what I say to him. And if that comes through dad having to step in, then that's how, mm-hmm. um, like, because yeah, we just reconfirm that. And it's been, it's been hard for me to be like, I can't do it by myself because I have the luxury of calling Daniel and being like, Hey, I need you to come home. But that makes me feel really weak too, that I like need his help to parent our child. But then he also reminds me that it's something that is a tool God's given us and that I can be humble enough to know that that's what Brooks needs. And we don't need that as much anymore. I mean, we're working through it and we're getting to where we don't have to have it as much. Other parent that can speak something. And we have that in our family, you know, with our daughter where sometimes her dad can just speak to her in a way that if I tried to say those same words, it would be disastrous. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Her, dad, grounding. her dad can just say things in a, this calming voice where she just, she's just calm all of a sudden, you know, where I might like send <laughs> he, her through the roof. Gives her the Chris yeah. effect. I guess. So, <laughs> but I love that. I love that. Like you said, it's a tool. We like mm-hmm. God's given us these tools mm-hmm. to be able to parent our children the way yeah. that they need to yeah. be parented. Yeah. yeah. And, Daniel does really, really well with Alexis as well. Like he just is very ground. He's very grounding to all of our kids, but, (laughs) but specifically those two just, I think it's just that sense of security and they just need that a little bit more. And I'm just thankful that God's like given that. And I know that we'll go through seasons of life where that's not the case and you know, it changes and he may travel again and We'll move on to that. So tell us about this new season that you've launched into. Yes. So how Heather and I actually met was I came to a homeschool meeting. Um, I'd been praying about homeschooling Alexis for a couple of years. Um, trauma does crazy things and it affects it's affected Brooks's behavior um, in a lot of ways. And it's, it's definitely a cognitive thing with him. So like when you've experienced trauma in the womb, because his was trauma in the womb because he was born before like all of it ha- took place. So it can affect you after birth. And so his has been a lot emotional um, and learning how to navigate the lid staying up and bringing him back down to reason. Alexis has definitely been a lot more educational and academic. Um, she's very wise beyond her years in many, many, many ways. Um, but when you don't know what somebody's learned before five and then they're in the tr- and they're in the foster system and there's a lot going on in your kindergarten, first grade, second grade years, um, we were noticing there was things that were just missing in the education. And it was just it wasn't the school's fault. I mean school's fault. It was just life. Um, the school our kids go to is amazing. I, I mean, I loved it. I never had any questioning in like what they were learning, but God was just slowly impressing on me that maybe the best place for her to be was at home. 
something I never, ever, ever thought I would do. <laughs> Don't ever say that. You never say that because then you're called to it. <laughs> I know. I know. Um, but I um, – and listening to you guys, you talked about home educating a lot. And I was like, oh, they do it with so much grace. And they it seems so achievable. And I don't know. It just – it opened my eyes to a different way than I had seen before. Mm-hmm. Um, and so – I prayed about it and we had to, we talked about it a lot, but it, we were kind of like, let's just see how we end fourth grade. Cause fifth grade is a pretty big jump. They go up to the middle school. Well then with the end of the year, last year being online, I was like, well, shoot, we can, I can do this. We're doing this anyway. <laughs> yeah. And it was a little bit hard to know like how sh- just, it was a little bit of a transition and we realized that there were gaps and that middle school might look like defeat instead of recognizing strengths and so Daniel and I really just sat down and um decided that we felt like it was better for us to disciple her in the strengths she had rather than she would have been successful at school I have no doubt it would have been a lot of work and it would have probably led to a lot of feeling defeated and we didn't want her to lose the confidence that God has given her And so, and we really just wanted to disciple um, her heart and grow her in the strength that strengths that she had. There's also just gaps because we don't know what happened from zero to five. So you think of the time, like that time you have from zero to five, when you build that relationship, you strengthen those bonds. There's a lot of foundation stuff in zero to five. And we really didn't have that. And two months after she came, we had two babies. So her life has been very crazy. Yeah. Um, granted she's handled it with a lot of grace and she got to do a lot of special things because she was the oldest and we kind of, she was very easy. And so it was just easy to let her do, um, things that older kids got to do. So it kind of came down to, we wanted to disciple her heart. We wanted to grow her in kind of back up and like start and grow her academically and then be able to just build that foundation and have that one-on-one time with her to strengthen our bond, especially her and I, just because um, it's really important to have a good grounded bond. And we did have a strong bond. We just wanted to make sure it was really, really secure. And so, yeah, in September, we started homeschooling. We actually started before that. I mean, because we started last May or March, I guess. But um, yeah, so we're, what, four months into it. and. It's been an adjustment. (laughs) Yes, it Um, is. It's definitely like foster care, something that being called to is good because otherwise I probably would have thrown thrown in the towel. Same. Yeah, yeah. I remember you standing in my kitchen and saying, telling me that story about... Because I always ask when people... When people ask questions about wanting to homeschool, I say, what's your reason? Mm-hmm. because you're going to have to go back to that reason. Cause I promise you there will be many, many days when you're like not doing this, mm-hmm. throw in the towel and you've got to be able to go back to the reason. And, and I was like, what's your reason? And you told me that. And that I'll never forget you saying like, I, I really want to disciple her heart. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, well <laughs> there, that, that's a, that's a good reason, you yeah. know, because on the days when fractions and <laughs> verbs and, <laughs> trying to figure out what the heck you're supposed to teach in science. Like on the days when that feels impossible, discipling her heart mm-hmm. is the mm-hmm. reminder, mm-hmm. you know? And it's so good. And I, I, I loved that answer. It was such a different answer than I normally hear. 
And I just thought, you know, this this is a beautiful, beautiful reason. Yeah, I think I've probably discipled her heart a lot more through my failures in the past three months than I have like intentionally, just because I it has been a big adjustment to go from having a little bit of downtime to none, practically none at all. And that's been really hard um, and something I've really had to work through. And I've just, I've tried to be pretty open with it just because she's very perceptive. And there are some days that we don't accomplish a lot of school simply because it's what happens. I mean, I still have Brooks is in preschool. So Taylin is in kindergarten in the public school. Brooks is in preschool three days a week and then she's at home. And so sometimes our days get really wonky and it's just really hard. And Daniel always reminds me this year is going to be hard because you're doing a lot of different things. But next year, our plan is for Brooks to go to kindergarten he's like, you'll just have her at home and you'll be able to just really hone in. He's like, so use this year to figure out what works and what doesn't. And it's really good reminder because I like to set a plan and have it and go and figure it all out. Yes. Yeah. But it's also been hard because I've been trying to figure out like where she's at and what curriculum she learns best under and what like what style is the best. And I feel like we finally have gotten into a little bit of a groove um, to where we can get excited about certain things. Mm-hmm. And, and you know what? In public school and in private school, they have days that are wonky too. Yes. They have yeah. days where they don't learn anything, you know? Like mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. it's okay. Yeah. And you're only four months in. Like it it does take time, yeah. like yeah. anything, to figure out what your groove is and how you home educate and how your kid receives home education. You know, it's not it's not something that is by any means is this perfect open and shut and you know, some people might make it look that way, yeah. but I promise you, even those people have lots of wonky days. Yeah. Yeah. And it's nice that you can have those wonky days and it's okay. Okay. And I think in the long run, you know, your child's never going to be behind because of a wonky day here or there. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And, you know, so keeping that long, that longevity perspective of this is not going to ruin her mm-hmm. or th- this rough week that we've had in school where we've done far less than we hope to, this is not going to ruin her. Um, and I think the thing that's so beautiful that I'm hearing is she is seeing her mama sacrifice a lot mm-hmm. to give her a lot of security. Mm-hmm. And the yeah. one-on-one, that you know, shoulder-to-shoulder contact, the eye contact you get with her, the intentional time to, you know, because you had two babies when she came to your home. Mm-hmm. So the intentional time to baby her, if you will, mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. nurture her mm-hmm. yeah. mm-hmm. and to really care for her is so valuable. It's discipleship. Yeah. yeah. Even yeah. even on the hard days, it's just discipleship. It's letting you're, them see you in yeah. in the trenches. Mm-hmm. You're teaching mm-hmm. her to mama someday. Yeah. yeah. And she's going to yeah. look back and, and be like so undone over what you've done for her. Yeah. Good job. Yeah. Thank well done. <laughs> well done. It's definitely not, uh, you know, when people give me their reason and they don't have a great reason, I'm like, you probably shouldn't do this because it's not yeah. for the faint of heart. Yeah. And you I you also said at that meeting I came to, which I loved, was you do it out of obedience and then you said you had started yours out of obedience and then you prayed for passion and God gave that. And so that's just something I was like, I'm doing this out of obedience and God can give because foster care was kind of flipped. Like we had a passion, 
So we, and God called us, so we did it. And then the obedience came in when it was hard. And where this is more, this is very much flipped. Interesting. But I know that I've told Daniel several times over the past three, four months, reminds me so much of when we first had Z and how like discombobulated my life felt. And I just, I just was like, I really struggled when he first came. I didn't struggle as much when Alexis came and the and Brooks came. Like it was hard, but I was already ma- I was already a mama to a baby. It didn't throw my life into complete. It mm-hmm. it was crazy, but I kind of was in a rhythm, and then it just kind of threw it off. But it wasn't quite like when we first jumped in. Yes, yeah. Well, it's like learning. Yeah. It's when you're learning a new job. You know, the first many months, you feel like I know nothing. Like, I know nothing about this organization, and I feel like I'm Mm -hmm. failing every day. I think that's stepping into foster or or Mm -hmm. homeschooling Mm -hmm. in your situation. You're learning a new job. Yeah. You know, it's a new career, and you're, like, remembering all of the different things. Mm -hmm. And then one of these days, you're going to be seasoned in your job, Mm -hmm. and it's going to be, like, just no big deal to roll through a day and be like, oh, wow, we got through all of these school days with no heartache. No, no tears. <laughs> yeah. This was amazing. Well, yeah, because you, know? you also have that element of like, am I failing my child? Sure. Like, am I failing them emotionally and academically? Like, we are they going to be face that. complete yes. idiots because I've taught them nothing? <laughs> yes. Yeah. No. My husband will remind me frequently, like, no, they are just fine. They're better than fine. They're so smart. You're teaching them everything they need to know. And if they don't, if you don't teach them something, you know, then someone else will. Like, they'll get taught it eventually in some yeah. way. Yeah. Something that we really wanted to help her make sure she learned too was having being able to be resourceful to figure things out when she didn't quite know how to do it and to not give up. Because those were traits that we knew were, that we, we saw in her mom. And not that those are necessarily always super negative, but they can grow into negative ones. And so we really wanted to head that off and make sure that we were building her up and giving her strength in those areas that could potentially be a struggling area. Well, thank you so much for telling your story. It's You're a very it's welcome. a very beautiful story. Because God wrote it and I didn't. <laughs> That's the best You're ones always welcome. are. Yes. yes, they are. And thank you for listening for so long. Oh, yes. No, thank you for doing the H&H Hour. It's obviously blessed me very much. It's It's so cool to be able to see face-to-face that it's worth it, you know, because we sit on the side of the table and do what we feel like has been an act of obedience. And then it's that reminder of like, it is worth it. We, we are being faithful and now God is being faithful to show us that, you know, to show us some of the fruit Mm -hmm. of our faithfulness, which is Mm -hmm. really cool because it Mm -hmm. does, it's like anything you're like, is it worth it? Should we keep doing it? So, yeah, Yeah. no, I think, and I think how you, um, Heidi, before, before we started, you prayed that God would let it fall at the right time and how he drops them. And there have been several episodes I've listened to that have been like perfect timing for where I'm at in that day. That's mm. awesome. Well, I think never discount God's faithfulness in the details because mm-hmm. like I would say that you are God's faithfulness to me today mm-hmm. because I've had a hard week. And I specifically said, we talked about this over text. I said, God, I just sort of need reminded that the, the plates I'm spinning are worth spinning. And I feel mm-hmm. like you sitting on this couch today talking about how God's used this show in your life is the Lord going, do you see? You know, mm-hmm. it's good. This is good. 
and I'll sustain you. And so thank you for being honest and telling us what it means to you. That means a lot. You're very welcome. Well, thank you so much for listening. We are so glad that you have tuned in today to hear Larissa's story. What a cool story, Heidi. So cool. Love it. I love God's stories are the best. The ones where you just can't, you can't make it up. He just no. has put all the pieces together. Yes. So if you have any questions or you need prayer, you can always reach out to us. We love to hear from our guests. Obviously, Clearly. we're sitting across from one, <laughs> but that's because she reached out, Heidi. Yeah. She messaged us and she would come in on shows and we got, you know, we got to know her a little bit over Instagram and then we, we met in real life. And mm-hmm. that is part of what doing this journey, doing this podcast is about, is about being able to connect with people not just one-sided. Yeah. We want to hear your voice and your stories. Maybe you have a story that you're yeah. like, I need to be on the H&H Hour. I cannot promise you we'll say yes to everybody. But if you feel that, like if yeah. you feel like God has really put that on your heart to share your story, we want to help you. We want to be a platform for you to do that. So reach out to us on Instagram or you can email us at the H&H Hour at gmail.com. Yep, still that. Yep, still that one. <laughs> All right, friends, thanks for listening. We're so glad that you do, and we'll chat to you next time.